0: The dead won't bother It's the living you gotta worry about. something If I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons.
1: Hey guys! <laughs> Guess who? <laughs> Hi! <laughs> it's us! <laughs> Sorry, I got the giggle. It's fine. That's what happens when you have a grand old time. Just kidding. Vicky's not having a grand old time. This is the Bad chase Crime yeah. Guess. It is. I'm Janelle. I'm
2: Vicky. And I'm a mess. It's okay. Girl, I'm a mess. It's all right. Oh, it's been a long... A long year. What month is it? It's April uh, now. April? Yeah. I said March yesterday or the day before somebody yelled at me. It's April. I said, okay, wow.
1: Pump the brakes.
2: Yeah, geez. Too excited for not
1: cold weather. Come on. Not really. It's it's mud
2: season
1: now.
2: (laughs) Welcome back. If this is your first time listening, a special hello to you. We like to uh, talk about murder. And cults and and stuff. Colts and stuff here. Yeah. We're very low energy right now. You <laughs> yeah. can tell. We're coming off of a long... I went out last night no, for I a little bit. That was pretty fun. <laughs> Definitely stayed out
1: past my bedtime. Mm.
2: But it was a good time.
1: Yeah. I just am recuperating still from Easter.
2: <laughs> is it like all the leftover Easter candy or is it like... Oh, no.
1: I didn't get any candy at all because I'm like trying to be healthy and shit. Oh.
2: So. I just gave you like a dirty look like, what? Yeah. You didn't get candy? No. No. That's fair. Everybody I know is doing <laughs> got, the like, diet thing right now. I got
1: like granola bars. <laughs> Did they at least have like chocolate in them? Uh, cacao, cacao, cacao. <laughs> <laughs> um, not like milk chocolate. Oh, yeah. W- I'm trying to well, be like, an adult with Well and shit now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> me Ew. too,
2: except not in the diet thing. Yeah, in the finances. I opened a savings account too. I didn't tell you that. Wait,
1: you've never...
2: <laughs> how old are you? <laughs> Listen, (laughs) this is what I'm saying. I'm doing adult things. I already had like a, what do they call those? Money market things.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
2: Which is kind of nice because then I don't have access to my money. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) pretty wonderful. (laughs) Otherwise, I'll spend it. it. Otherwise, I will spend it. (laughs) Oh, really? If we're being real. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't know
1: that luxury of spending money because I have nothing but bills. (laughs) I only had a checking account until now. Don't get a mortgage, Vicky. (laughs) Don't worry. Stay with your parents forever. No. (laughs) Never leave them. No, that's not... It's all fun and games and you're looking at houses and then a couple years in you're like, shit, I still have to pay for this.
2: A house is very, very far in the future. Yes. Very far. (laughs) Like I
1: said, stay with very, them for as long as you can.
2: Very far in the future. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, enough about our regular lives. Clearly, no the most cares. interesting thing in the world. We're like finances, houses, <laughs> trips, travel. It's the worst. This is yeah. That's what we are in real life. It's yes. just
1: people. We're just fuck. people talking about murder.
2: <laughs> Speaking of which, we've got a great show for you today. Yeah. But first, let's head over to the newsroom.
1: Food is to
2: we and bad. We're so today i really wanted to touch on the big story of the internet <laughs> the whole internet for right now okay as as we record this i'm sure something else will happen in like three days always and i'm not talking about facebook i'm talking about Backpage. I mean,
1: it's all connected.
2: Um, if you don't know what Backpage is, Backpage is You're kind a good of good person, then. Yeah. It's <laughs> similar to Craigslist, except for sex. Grosser. <laughs> yes. Sex list. Uh, copyright. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no.
1: Don't copyright that. <laughs> uh,
2: so the FBI has seized Backpage, um... Which is always a good sign. And they, like, if you go to Backpage.com, it's got a big old like federal warning saying the FBI's taking it down, um... And the website itself has been repeatedly accused of enabling sex trafficking and specifically the sex trafficking of minors Mm -hmm. um, by being able to post on their, like... uh, Didn't they... They had, like, a sex... Like, section. It wasn't... Or, like, a personal... That's pretty
1: much the entire website is personal ads. Yeah. I know about this from that uh, documentary on... Oh, shit, I forgot the channel. Uh, That Joshua Zeman did, he did Cropsey, um, Mm -hmm. and it was like a whole series. It was like the Killing Fields or something like that, Yeah, where he talked about the Gilgo Beach slayings, and a lot of the women who were murdered or went missing were sex workers who listed their ads on Backpage. Yeah. So it doesn't really seem like it was a website for much else except that.
2: Yeah. And I didn't actually know this, but the website backpage.com had actually closed the adult services listings portion of the site because um, they did have other stuff. I mean, they yeah. did, it, like I said, it was like a classified site. Right. Um, they actually closed that part of it in January 2017. So just uh, last year. Um But they continued to make a whole lot of money during Mm -hmm. all of these uh, court battles and the government trying to figure out what was going on with the classified site, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So the notice appeared um, just recently on the website and the FBI also raided the home of Michael Lacey, who was the founder of Backpage. Um, The FBI spokesman in Phoenix confirmed that there was law enforcement activity there um but they didn't really answer any questions about like what they were looking for what they had already received just that they were there so yeah we will
1: have to wait and see what's going on with that yeah it's probably a lot to do with fraud and selling off information and things like that
2: Yeah, and actually this is a perfect segue into (laughs) uh, we're going to move into Netflix and kill. Mm -hmm. Um, And this week we're talking about a documentary called I Am Jane Doe. Okay. Um, And it is actually a documentary about the case Jane Doe versus Backpage. Oh. Um, So there were several cases of victims being sex trafficked at Mm Backpage.com and um it kind of follows the journey of these girls who um, a lot of them had either like run away and gotten kind of picked up that way. Their parents found them and f- a lot of them had found them because somebody had seen them on, on Backpage.com and like, was like, hey, I think this is your kid. Yeah, They were attempting to go after Backpage.com in the court system legally um, for sex trafficking. And they've come up ag- against a lot of resistance from like judges. There's a specific um, part of the laws that govern third party um, accountability for what people post on the sites mm-hmm. that are kind of shielding. Uh, practices like this. So it kind of goes into that. It's a really great documentary. Um, It definitely gives you a good insight into the victims of these cases and kind of what's going on on the legal side of things. And especially with now the FBI taking Backpage over, uh, I think it would be great for everybody to just take a look at it because it does give you a little background into kind of how we got to that
1: point today. I definitely
2: have it saved. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, you know, not, it's, they're talking about sex trafficking. So it's not yeah. like the happiest subject, but it's very good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it because they do interview a lot of the victims. None of them are named. Right. Um, they were all named Jane Doe in the court case for the most part. They're all underage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so check it out. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. I was binging on a hulu show because i've kind of been like getting a little bit away from netflix so i'm not like you know mowing through everything on there but i watched this it's a british tv series very much in the vein of the, like a true crime like american crime you know that that mm-hmm. tv series where each season is different but i watched the first season it's called national treasure okay and it's about this like british the first season's about this british comedian who is kind of winding down in his career, and he becomes all of a sudden this like big, huge um, story because a bunch of women come forward claiming that he's like a rapist. Oh. So it kind of goes through this. It shows it from the perspective more of his daughter and his wife. Yeah. And what they saw and what they feel happened that um, these women are claiming, you know, They didn't have relationships like he said they did. And instead, he was, like, picking out girls and, you know, raping them. Um, But it makes you believe that he's innocent in the beginning, but then it does this whole 360 in, like, the last two episodes. You're like, fuck, like, he did this. Yeah, Yeah. It's really mind-blowing. You feel bad for him at first. You're like, oh, this, you know, because it makes the women accusing him seem like they're trying to do it for publicity, and then you realize that it's not at all that.
2: Yeah, it's just oh, sounds gut, really good. It was gut wrenching. Sounds but I good, definitely.
1: Yeah. It's one of the few Hulu originals where I'm like, yeah, this is good. But they're it's starting British, to come out with some good content, so that's probably why.
2: Oh yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> if it's British, it's automatically a plus. Now, <laughs> yep. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else? Uh, No. All right. (laughs) Then let's jump into today's episode. Uh, So, do you want to tell us what we're talking about today?
1: Yeah. So, I had a listener suggestion from our friend Nikki, and she kind of like she kind of like slipped me a piece of paper, and she's like. My mom told me about this. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yes. I love her mother. This case's name, Mm -hmm. like the person, and I was like, oh, I'll definitely look into that. And the more I looked into it, I was like, oh, man, this is really fucking messed up. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to do a little bit of cold case action. I'm really excited (laughs) because I am going to be talking about probably
2: one of my favorite cold cases. It's a little... Fun. I mean, I hate mystery. to use the word fun, but yes, there is some mystery. Heavy
1: on the mystery. <laughs>
2: um, this is normally the part of the show where we say content is not appropriate for all listeners. Mine's actually not like terrible, but I don't know what you. Got yeah, going on. there's
1: not any blood or guts or anything. Um, there's nothing super graphic, but it's just really sad. Yeah, it's just sad. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: okay, so I am going to be talking about the Somerton man.
1: AKA Tamin Shude. Can we just have like ghost chain noises in the background so it makes it real spooky? What? Put that in post.
2: <laughs> ghost chains? It's ghost chains. Like a uh, ghost of Christmas past? Yeah. Right? Right. Is they were the ones in chains? Ghost anyway. Chains. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, so this one comes to us from Australia. And this is a case that a lot of people know about and talk about because it is so strange.
1: It yeah, is Yeah, it kind very of reminds strange. me of the story of the woman that they found inside the tree. Yes. In England, it's kind yeah. of like that sort of air of mystery. Like, what yeah, what was that? How? It's like who put Mary in the tree?
2: Bell in the tree? Something bell, bell, the tre- something the bell tree. <laughs> yeah. That one. <laughs> that Google one. it. You know what I'm I I did run about. across that one as I was trying to like mm-hmm. decide. Um so, there's not a whole lot of like Background information, so I'm right. just gonna jump right into it. Do it. On the evening of Tuesday, November 30th, 1948. A My man favorite year. <laughs> I just love the 40s. You do. I know. I would I don't remember if I was looking at another one for this specific episode that was from the 20s, and I was like, oh, Janelle would love this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Anything like pre fifties
0: and all that. <laughs>
2: um so a man named John Bain Lyons and his wife were going for a walk along Somerton Beach in South Australia. It was in or near Adelaide. Um, The couple noticed this very well-dressed man kind of lying on the sand with his head propped up against the seawall. So it was just kind of like this wall along the beach. Um, He had his legs outstretched and his feet were crossed. About a ha- half hour later, another couple walked past, noticing the same man in the same position. But they kind of assumed that he was just like a drunk guy on mm-hmm. the beach, because honestly, that was pretty Australia. common. <laughs> well, and it's not like unheard of for like you know, in a beach town, to have some guy just end up the lush drunken the town sleeping. Lush. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, they also mentioned that when they walked past, he like wasn't there were mosquitoes all around his face, and he like wasn't bothered by it. So they just assumed uh, he was super see. wasted. Oh, that would have been like an indicator to me, right? The next morning, John Lyons again went back out to the beach for like his morning swim and he realized that the body was still there in the exact same position that it was as they had seen it the night before. And there wasn't really like any noticeable signs of violence or like a struggle or anything. Um, And there was a half smoked cigarette sitting on his right collar as if it had fallen out of his mouth. Um, Like he fell asleep while smoking a cigarette, just fell out of his mouth. So, he called the police. As you do. <laughs> as as one does in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, their initial conclusion, just by looking at it, was that he had died in his sleep, this mystery man. Uh, but upon examination of his pockets, they found a used bus ticket, an unused train ticket, an aluminum American comb, a half-empty packet of juicy fruit gum, an Army Club cigarette pack containing Kencita cigarettes, which Army Club is one brand and the Kensitas cigarettes is a different brand. Okay, um, A quarter full and a quarter full box of matches. Hmm. He didn't have like a wallet or any cash or any ID on him. Um, they also noticed that. None of the man's clothing had any, like, tags or identifying information at all. So you weren't going to be able to, like, trace it back to a manufacturer or a country of origin Mm. or anything like that. The only thing that they noticed is that one of his trouser pockets had been repaired using a really unique variety of this orange thread. Okay. So this is what police discover on the beach.
1: Mm-hmm. Mystery. Is he a spy? That's my immediate thought.
2: Yeah, <laughs> could be. And just to point out, this is kind of around um, like, around and during World War II that's like this time period. Mm-hmm. So um, just to give a little context to all of this.
1: Just because there's not a war doesn't mean there's not spies. Yeah, right? <laughs>
2: uh, the autopsy revealed a few more strange things about this unknown man um have you you've heard this story before correct okay um i'm trying to act surprised it's fine i appreciate it (gasps) sometimes i don't know um so he was between the ages of 40 to 45 and he was described as being in top physical condition except for that his spleen was three times the size of what it should have been i
1: mean what does that tell you
2: I don't know Literally what does it tell know. you
1: tell me about medicine <laughs> um
2: his hands and nails showed no signs of physical labor and his toes they described them as like meeting in a wedge like he like, like similar a hammer foot well, like similar to somebody <laughs> who wears ballet shoes or like pointed work shoes yeah, a hammer foot oh, is that what that is yeah oh then' yes. a lot
1: to women and it was like something that's what feet binding would do. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, they wanted that aesthetic of, like, just a big toe and no other toes. (laughs) Just one one big toe. Yes. (laughs) They also noticed that his calf
2: muscles were, like, really pronounced, um, similar to how a ballet dancers would be. Oh, my
1: God. It just makes me think of Red Sparrow. That new movie coming out where, um, oh, God, what's her name? Jennifer Lawrence is a ballerina, but also a spy. Oh! Ooh, yes. Ooh.
2: <laughs> Ooh. Maybe it's inspired by this.
1: Perhaps.
2: Except she's a lady. Yes. And this guy's a dude. But you never know. Adaptation. Yes. Artistic license. <laughs> um so a lot of people, because of this, assume he was a ballet dancer at some point, possibly. Mm-hmm. He was dressed in really, really nice clothing and he had these polished polished shoes, but he wasn't wearing any socks. Which is like Weird, and yeah. he wasn't wearing a hat, which isn't that something. <laughs> yeah, it's not something we notice now. But men wore hats all Anytime the time. You go
1: outside, yeah. even women would wear some sort of covering, even if it was just over the back of their head or a veil, like, yeah, partial over the face. Like that was like the proper thing to do. Is you cover your head? Yeah. So the it's fact that he <laughs> he didn't have one was like strange. Yeah, especially if he was dressed super nicely. Like mm-hmm. if you're. Of a higher echelon, upper class, you would definitely be adhering to these kind of social standards. Right,
2: yeah. Um, the coroner concluded that he died of heart failure, but it was of a fast acting, disappearing, like fast acting, fast disappearing poison rather than natural causes. Mm -hmm. The time of death was determined to be at approximately 2 a.m. on December 1st. And his last meal consisted of a pastry eaten three to four hours before he died. Um, after the initial investigation, the autopsy they were not really able to identify the man's identity or his cause of death definitively. Like he said, heart failure, but like he said, it was from some sort of poison, but they couldn't right. find the poison. There wasn't anything. Could they determine showing up. if it
1: was ingested or injected. No, no.
2: Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I would. The problem, the the thinking with that, I I believe is that the food wasn't completely digested in his stomach which right. is how they were able to determine his last meal so i'm wondering if if it was ingested um how long it would you know what i mean like if your food yeah. wasn't all the way digested would it get into your
1: yeah okay, so it depend on if it was a drink or not because that goes through your body quicker right and if it was a solid food yeah I don't know. This is why I'm not a doctor. you could also think in a sense that, like, you could also ingest poisons through inhalation. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah. It poisons through touch. Just, like, through skin contact. Yeah. Yeah. And this was during, you know, it was after World War II. So there's a lot of scientific advances in this period, especially pertaining to, like, war. This is when we started, like, the Cold War ramp up. Yeah. Which is when spying and spy devices and things mm, started to really... Fancy spy devices. ...take off. Yeah. Because it was like us against Russia. hmm And that was like my immediate thought when I was reading this story is like, he sounds like a Russian spy.
2: Mm. Yeah. And they, at this point, don't know where he came from mm-hmm. or what he's doing there. Um, so police in South Australia continued their investigation, but they were really unable to find any like substantial leads into who this guy was or how he ended up on this beach, what he was doing there, where he came from. Um, They run their search to attempt to locate abandoned personal possessions at hotels, dry cleaners, lost property offices, and rail stations. Um, t- that may like point out where this guy came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something. I mean, they are looking for anything at this point. Right. Uh, so finally on December 12th, detectives went to the main railway station in Adelaide and they were given a brown suitcase that had been left in the cloakroom on November 30th.
1: Yeah, he did have a train ticket.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, which is why they were kind of looking around to see. Uh, the staff said they, were unable to remember anything about the person who had left it behind. But once the police kind of took a look at the contents of the suitcase, they found um a unique kind of orange thread uh-huh. that matched the orange thread from the whole patch on the Somerton Man. Okay. Um, they were able to to identify that it was the exact thread because of the type of thread it was It was very specific
0: mm-hmm.
1: and orange isn't really a pop you w- usually want to match the thread to the color of the clothes you're wearing
2: yeah you know i mean well you want to try maybe yeah. he's maybe
1: he's colorblind and also bright colors too is at this time period um not something that people were really using because it was like still post-war so you're still not getting manufacturing back together you're st- i mean i only know this because i do collections work with yeah. vintage
2: clothing. <laughs> because you basically live in that time period.
1: So, like, bright colors still weren't a popular thing. Yeah. And even when they started getting colors back, it was pastels. And then we didn't start venturing into, like, bright oranges, yellows, and things like that to like, late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. So the fact that he's using probably a heavy gauged orange thread to repair a nice, like, dark suit is a little weird. Right, yeah.
2: Um as with his clothing, clothing, extra care was taken to remove any identifying information from the suitcase, and tags were removed from basically everything in the suitcase except for three garments. All three garments contained uh, the name Keen, K E A N, or T Keen, K E A N E. Um, but they weren't able to trace anybody by that name. Police kind of assumed that these tags were left on purposely because whoever um, took all the names off knew that this case did not belong to somebody by that name. Like, that name didn't belong to anybody, really, at Mm all.
1: Like an alias or something. Right. Um...
2: They also found a stencil kit used by the third officer on merchant ships responsible for the stenciling of cargo. okay. Uh, a table knife that had the handle cut down into kind of like a shake. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's what I got the impression of it was kind of like a weapon or like a <laughs> tool contain? or something. yeah. yeah. Uh, a coat with can, like, put it in between your fingers and be like, Wolverine. Jab, jab. Jab, stab, stab. Yeah. Uh, A coat with stitch work that was identified as American in origin. And it seemed that the authorities, um, like they had a lot of items, but it still wasn't really anything to go on. It's just a random chunk. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, The few leads that they did get were pretty unuseful. Uh, So they decided to bring in a man named John Cleland, who was emeritus professor of pathology at the University of Adelaide. And he was brought in to kind of re-examine the body and maybe just like bring this fresh perspective to the case. Mm -hmm. So in April, four months after they discovered this body, Cleland discovered a small pocket uh, they called it like a secret pocket a mm-hmm. lot of the times that was sewn into the waistband of the man's pants that contained a small, tightly rolled piece of paper with two words on it. They were Tamim Shude. And I know at the beginning I said Tamim Shude with mm-hmm. an N. Um, that was because when it was printed in the papers, they kind of screwed it up and printed it with an and instead of an M at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kind of stayed like that in right. the media. So <laughs> um, it said Tamim Shud. These words were typeset and printed on a piece of paper and like fancy script. And they searched around for a little bit to see if they could like identify where this came from. And authorities discovered it was from a book of poetry called Rubayat of Omar Khayyam. That was really popular in Australia during the war. Okay. Um, the words Tamim Shud were printed on the final page of this book. Just those two words, nothing else. And the words were identified as Parisian and they mean ended or finished or like to end. Mm-hmm. Um Police released a photo of the small piece of paper to the public and soon after a witness using the pseudonym Ronald Rancis came forward and said he had found a copy of the exact edition of the book that the police were looking for um, in the rear footwell of a car near Somerton Beach. Mm -hmm. Um, Like he had gotten into his car and it was like, there's this random book in here. They just found it and didn't think anything of it, threw it in the glove box, and forgot about it until the police released this picture. Mm -hmm. Um, The final page of this book was missing. Uh Aha. Ooh. Uh, After taking a closer look at the book, police discovered a phone number written on the rear cover of the book. And although it was, like, an unlisted number, they determined that it belonged to a young nurse who kind of lived near Somerton Beach area. And police contacted the nurse who told them that she had given a copy of the poetry book to a man she had known during the war named Alfred Boxall. Okay. So, old Alfie, (laughs) good old Alfred. Uh, police kind of thought that that was like the break they were looking for. Okay, this guy that's dead on the beach is Alfred, Alfred Boxall. Um, the only problem was Alfred Boxall was alive in New South Wales. Oh, god. Uh, so they traced him down, found out that this guy was still alive, that he did, in fact, own a copy of the poetry book. Um, that they were looking for but obviously he still owned it and he was alive and breathing so this wasn't um, this was
1: not the droid they were looking for (laughs) basically. I wonder if someone did an old switcheroo Oh, we'll switch my poetry book with yours. (laughs) Um,
2: So they returned to the original book uh, that had been found in the car to see if they could like find some additional clues. And when they originally looked at the book, they found this like faint impression underneath the phone number that had been written. And so they put it under an ultraviolet light and they found five lines of jumbled letters, the second of which had been crossed out. Um, They kind of determined that this was some sort of cipher or Mm. code. (laughs) And, is he a
1: spy? I right.
2: keep saying that. Basically. <laughs> um, a lot of people have like tried to crack this code, and nobody's been able to crack it so far. Um, there's been a lot of theories about what it is, what kind of cipher it is. Um, they've put it through agencies. Uh, such as military and naval intelligence agencies. They've talked to mathematicians. And thanks to the internet, a lot of like amateur code crackers have now Mm -hmm. had a shot at trying to crack this. Um, And it may not seem as satisfactory, but that's kind of where the story ends. Yeah. Um, There's (laughs) a lot of theories about like, who this guy is Mm -hmm. um this is clearly something that we're still talking about today and a lot of like i said a lot of people have attempted to like break this code um it is worth knowing noting that the police showed a plaster cast of the dead man's face Mm -hmm. to the nurse whose phone number was listed in the back of the book. And her reaction was described as kind of like taken aback and near fainting. Hmm. But she, like as if she had known who this guy was, um, but she maintained that she had no idea who this man was until her death in 2007. Hmm. Um, Although, of course, that little piece of information kind of fuels the theories. Right. it seems that the theory with the most amount of traction was that the Somerton man was a spy, mm-hmm. as you said. Yes. Um, mainly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it does definitely have that like spy vibe right. for sure. Um, mainly due to the circumstance of of his death as well. Mm-hmm. Alfred Boxall was apparently involved in intelligence work during and after World War II. Okay. Um, and he claimed that the nurse really couldn't have known that he was like, involved in intelligence work at all unless somebody had divulged that information to her so some people are trying to draw a conclusion between him and the nurse and the nurse actually knowing him Mm -hmm. there is a theory out there that she may have um had his child and was about to get married and it's kind of scandalous about Mm -hmm. like you know it's really kind of a rabbit hole (laughs) um i'm giving you a very condensed version of this um the man was eventually buried in 1949 in a service conducted by the Salvation Army. Years later, flowers started appearing on the grave, but nobody, like, really knows where they were coming from and who was leaving them there. Uh, police once questioned, like, a woman that was leaving the cemetery, but she claimed to not know anything about the Somerton man. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been various news organizations, uh, that have reported, uh, on the story over the years, but no new information really has been overturned. Um, In 1994, Chief Justice of Victoria and Chairman of the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine, John Herbert Phillips, reviewed the case and concluded that there was little doubt the man died from digitalis, um, also known as digoxin poisoning. Uh, De Jackson will generally cause organs to engorge and have little to no trace of being in your body, so that's kind of where they're at with my this spleen. case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like my spleen is too big. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it's at with this case. It's an old case, yeah. lots of mystery. I encourage you guys to check it out online because, as I said, it's a rabbit hole for real. It is. Um, but it's just a lot of really weird things all piled into one. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like I oh, said, the end works. of this really yeah. is not satisfying no. at all because it's like, well.
1: I mean, it's a cold case. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're not satisfying. Sorry about it. Yeah. <laughs> just, that in particular makes you think of like all of these different outcomes and scenarios. And mm-hmm. it's like, what the hell? Yeah. But also the time period. It's like, You can't really track people at this point in time. You know what I mean? Like, it's really hard. And even if you did have tags on your clothes. And yes, most people got their clothes from, like, special tailors and things. But it's like, who's going to have a really great records? Yeah.
2: Well, and I'm thinking that during the time there was a lot of, like, they still would put initials or, like, last names into garments. Mm -hmm. Like, that was just a thing that they did. Um, So I'm not surprised... That they would try to like find identification that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, it is just, there's just a lot of like random things that are super <laughs> weird. Like yeah. he wasn't wearing socks.
1: Right? And he was dressed yeah. nice.
2: Yeah. And it was like he had been smoking a cigarette, but then just stopped. Right? He's just sitting on his collar. I don't know. Super strange.
1: Because also, like the translation of that um, piece of paper. Mm hmm. It's like, could he have poisoned himself? hmm
2: Or is it somebody else was being poisoned? like, Cause it was it's sewn, done?
1: Yeah, it was sewn into his pants, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And that's kind of hard to do. Like, sew something into someone's pants and put it back on a dead body, or sew it on him while he's dead. Ugh. You know what I mean? That's creepy. That's a lot of commitment.
2: <laughs> that is more commitment than I've got. Yeah, I'm i mean not Guys are that. pretty
1: committed to their craft. That's but fair. like,
2: yeah, that's a little overboard. <laughs> yeah. So, if you have any information on this, uh, I guess call Australia. <laughs> Just
1: hello. Can Australia. I get Australia, please? <laughs> A yeah. hundred,
2: down under. Down under.
1: <laughs> Oh my gosh. I just offended an entire continent. That's alright. It was bound <laughs> to happen. You know what? I didn't say any of the typical things most people say. So like that. shrimps on the bobby. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Had to okay. just get one in. Right? <laughs>
0: in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: All right. So we're going to come back to America for this. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to leave Australia and all their weird spiders the size of Deni- like diners. So you're going to say a Denny's. A de- the size of a Denny's. A the size of a dining room Denny's. table. And um, slightly less hot, where we're going. (laughs) Back to our old home state, Vicky, Illinois. Ah, snap! (laughs) The best day ever. No, everyone shakes their head. No, 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 no. no. Anyway, so this story was a listener suggestion from Nikki. Um, Thanks, Nikki. Thanks, girl. Like I said, she slipped me a piece of paper, and she's like, "My mom like knows people related to this case." And I was like, "Shit!" Now I have to research this. And I was like, "How can I work it into an episode?" Oh, well, she's still a missing person, and it's a cold case, so that sounds like a so. Here good. we are. So here we are. Um. So this takes place in 1976, and I want you to like put yourself in the mindset of like dazed and confused. The movie, because that's okay. what that's what's, what's going to happen. You're going to be dazed and confused. It's going to be a lot of, like, rock and roll, and it's going to be like, oh, kids just going on the streets having fun, because that's how it starts out. Okay. Um, so, this is the story of, I'm going to call her last name Gluckert, and I'm not sure how it's pronounced. It looks like Glukert. Okay. Or Gluckert. Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to say Gluckert. That sounds more realistic to me. She is a 14-year-old girl from Mount Prospect, Illinois. And she left her house on this night in 1976 with a few friends to go to a block party down the street. Now, she told her mother that she would be back around midnight, but she never returned home. Ooh! It's been about f- over 40 years, I'd say. And this case has had no leads or updates since the late 70s. Wow. Like nothing. Really? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a rough one. So, on August 21st of 1976, at about 5.30pm, Barbara was walking home from the Raymond Church on the corner when a man pulled up to her in a Buick Electra, very specific car, (laughs) and asked her if she would like to go to a party in Displains, Illinois. And now this reminds me of like because it, it made me think of Jason confused where they're just like you want to go for a ride like you know Matthew McConaughey's character trying to pick up all the fourteen year old girls Ugh. that was my immediate thought when I started reading this story this so gross Ugh. so I don't know what it was about the seventies where it's just like oh statutory rape totally chill Ugh. <laughs> God it's like no That's awful. sir no sir <laughs> um she's fourteen like get out of my face um. <laughs> So <laughs> they exchanged phone numbers, and she told him to call her later that night. So the man called her later, and he uh, asked Barbara to meet her and her friends like at this place um, called Jake's Pizza on Northwest Highway. Good old so Jake's Pizza. It's like a huge happening pizza joint, and it's kind of like on a really main thoroughfare. Mount Prospect and Des Plains are very close together. They're like if you go on the train like boom boom next stop so it's like a happen in place in between both cities when barbara left she told her mother that she was going to spend the evening with her friends and go to a black party all of her friends told their respective mothers that they were going to have a slumber party at Barbara's house. So you can already see there's a little bit of lie action going in here. That's like the classic do. teen move, too. It's like, yeah. I'm going to stay in
2: so-and-so's house. We're, they say, I'm going to go stay at this yes, one's house. exactly.
1: We never go to anyone's house. And then we wind up And then up everybody home. gets murdered. <laughs> we wind up home at midnight. And yeah. they're like, why are you home? I wasn't having fun at the slumber party. Wink, wink, I drank too much and almost died in a cornfield. So... <laughs> Is, this, is, this is that, true too, telling? Is that is this, too telling? Is this a, is this a true story? <laughs> this is the story of me and how I almost died in a cornfield. This corn is a field. story all about how, okay. okay. I flipped turned upside down Drink drank a fifth of vodka and laid in the middle of a field. That's what I envision happening Okay, now put that teenagers. into rap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't rap.
1: <laughs> so, you can already tell, like, these kids are, like, lying to their parents. Obviously, something sneaky is going on and they're going to do something, you know, not a 14-year-old should be doing. Um, So Barbara and her friends met the man at Jake's Pizza, and he introduced himself to them as Tom Edwards. Now, the man told the girls that he was going to take them to a rock concert at a farm in Huntley, Illinois. Oh. So that's, like, about an hour north from Mount Prospect, and it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's a farming community, especially at this time. A lot of the factories were closing down, and it was just, like all that was left was a couple of dairy farms, and there were no major highways yet. It was just all small roads. Um, So they kind of were just going out to the middle of nowhere to a concert, which is weird. So on the drive over, the man kind of began to talk to the girls in this sort of dark, uh, semi-threatening manner, kind of like Saying weird things um, about, like, when they get there and what they're going to do and um, how he's going to be around them the whole night and watching over them. and Nothing unusual really, there. Really strange, weird things. Ugh. And they presumed that this man was probably in his mid-twenties, and these girls are, like, 14 years old. So that's, like, a 10-year that's gross. age difference. That is
2: super gross.
1: And he's like, come on, you children, hop into my car. We're going to go to the middle of a cornfield and watch a concert. They're like, totally. I'm getting bad vibes about this. It's the 70s. Smoke pot and listen to Alice Cooper or some shit.
2: (laughs) Out of everyone from the 70s, you picked Alice Cooper.
1: Yeah, man. All right. (laughs) That was my first concert.
2: Maybe. You just did. Uh, yeah, what was it? Man. Jesus Christ Superstar.
1: It'd be a lot on cooler. TV. If did you, you see that? Did. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah,
2: he was in Jesus Christ Superstar I on heard TV.
1: That <laughs> I am vehemently against live action musicals. So <laughs> no, I'm not. No
2: live action. Musicals. Live action, like
1: in the now, in the moment on television. Oh, yeah, no.
2: Televised. So what, would you go see one like in the theater
1: yeah because oh. they've rehearsed and this is their job and it's it's not, they're not just throwing random celebrities on tv for a one night event oof who don't sing or dance or do anything i mean john, <laughs> we're not gonna talk about this right now there's like two people who are musicians the rest are all just randos john legend <laughs> sarah Bareilles, and alice cooper yeah. That's, Alice Cooper is a showman, not really a singer anymore. Three. Well, I'd still count him, count him I would say Sarah. I would say Sarah Bralis and John Legend. Alice Cooper just plays golf now. In black he eats, makeup. He eats hot dogs and plays golf. He's yeah. like a hot dog chain. Anyway. He went from being the most like metal dude, like, giving himself a decapitation on stage, to just playing golf and eating hot dogs in his elderly. That's the years. life that everybody wants. <laughs> right. No more snakes and black makeup for me. Anyway, I'm off on an Alice Cooper tangent. Back so, on track, girl. Back on track. You know, you get, when you're in the 70s, man, it's just, you're just so high all the time, you don't know what's going on. <laughs> so, once they arrived at the concert, they decided to split up, which is always the best idea. Okay, this guy's saying threatening things to us, so let's all just break and run away. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Don't I mean, that. anytime your party splits up in anything, do that it's girl. like, <laughs> bad idea.
1: Yeah, so Barbara went off on her own. One girl found um, her boyfriend who had also decided he was going to attend. And then the other two girls kind of just were wandering around by themselves. So just they were all just scattered, which is the best idea ever. Oh, no. So the bands that were playing that night were <laughs> Blind Billy Nelson and the Cold Wind Blues Band. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. And they opened for none other than the Bloody Marys.
2: (laughs) That's so So great. It is very 70s, yeah.
1: (laughs) So at midnight, Barbara um, found Tom, and um, supposedly, for her ride home. Now, the other girls kind of started to come back around, and they're like, hey... Where's Barbara, we're ready for our ride home. And he's like, you know what? She actually decided to ride with somebody else. So already, like, they see her go to him, make arrangements for a ride, and walk off. Okay. And then they go up and be like, hey, we're ready. We just saw Barbara. Where is she? She's like, he goes, oh, you know, she decided not to come home with me. So this is always in a span of like ten to fifteen minutes. So they see her walk off with him to make you know arrangements for a ride. He comes back by himself. They're like, "Let's go." Oh, she's gone. So weird, right? Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. So the girls decide not to go with him. Good idea. Okay, you know what? We'll just get another ride home. So, in you know, in according to what he says, he was driving home alone. Okay. My theory was he set that up so that he could drive her by himself, right? So, um, this kind of alerted the girls to so like something was weird. So when they got home, they were like, "What's happening? You know, what's going on?" And then they realized because they all live on the same block, yeah, that there's a bunch of people going in and out of Barbara's house. Okay. And what happened was it was midnight she never showed up. They waited another hour, her parents and uh, her brother. And they started to kind of call their neighbors and other people to try to locate Barbara. And so her friends are like, what's happening? She didn't come home. They She didn't come home with us. This guy said that he was going to give her a ride. And she said, never mind. So... Everyone goes over to the Gluckerts house and they're like, this is what happened. This is where we were. This is, you know, they gave them all the information. Yeah. So finally at 3 Mm a.m. in the morning, her parents are like, we've waited long enough. We need to call the police. So they called the police. Now she's 14 years old. She's underage. But at this point, it's only been a few hours since she's been gone. Mm -hmm. All they can do is say, hey, you know what? She's a runaway right now. Um, we'll go and look where she was last seen and see if she's still hanging around, but that's all we can really do right now. Because which was had- common
2: for the yeah. time. I mean, that was just like how they handled missing children cases yeah, at the time. Never. It wasn't until the 80s, I think, that they finally put in place that if there was a missing child, they had to act right away versus the like 24 to 48 hour wait period. it was period. even later than that. Really? Yeah. Like late
1: 80s? Yeah. Early almost 90s? Almost 90s, I would say. Because you think of the yeah. Amber Alert system. Yeah, exactly. That wasn't really a thing until we were children. Yeah, yeah, So that's true. Um, so, at this point, the authorities are kind of out searching for her, and, you know, she's classified as, you know, a runaway. Right. Now, at 11 a.m. the following morning, a man called the Gluckerts' residence and stated that he wanted to speak face-to-face with them about Barbara. Okay. So this already is like, what is happening? Yeah. He doesn't identify himself, um, like, right off the bat. He's like, hey, you know, I saw Barbara yesterday. I want to come talk to you about her. Right, And her mother is like, okay, well, can I get your name? So he's like, it's Tom. 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 Now, if you remember... The man who picked them up introduced himself as Tom Edwards okay. to all of them. Okay, So it was the same guy, supposedly, who picked them up that called the Gluckertz residence and was like, Hey, I want to come by this afternoon. I want to talk to you about Barbara and what happened last night. Well, the man never shows up. Of course not. So... The Gluckerts call the police and like, listen, I just got this weird fucking phone call from this guy who said that he wanted to come by and talk about Barbara and he never showed up and his name is Tom. And so they're starting to piece all this information together from what they had spoken to her friends about, other family members, you know, she told her brother that she wasn't gonna, you know, go to a black party, she's gonna go to a concert. So it's Mm -hmm. like all this information... And piecing together, like, okay, we need to find this Tom Edwards guy, because he sounds like he knows what the fuck happened. So, the police start looking into the name Tom Edwards, and they realize that it's been used by a man as an alias previously. So, they go and pull up his information, and the man's name is Thomas Erlocker. Not Thomas Edwards. Okay. And he's a 24-year-old man who lived in Algonquin, Illinois, and he had been previously accused several times of rape. Oh. So... No red flags there. Yeah, rape and assault (laughs) on various underage girls between the ages of 12 and 15. Okay. So... Unfortunately, none of these girls that accused him actually pressed charges. It's just in his record as like an arrest and an accusation. Right. But they never proceeded with the actual, you know, trial accusation going through all that. Yeah. So he wasn't really on their radar as like a sex offender because none of these cases actually went to a trial. Okay. It was just accusations, and that was it. So shortly after they realize who it is, Um, they kind of put out the word like, all right, we're gonna go pick him up. But he, after calling the Gluckerts residence, decided to fucking skip town. Of course. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. Of course. Yeah. He bought a Suzuki motorcycle in cash from a friend who lived down the street from him and he fled to San Francisco. So the police weren't looking at anyone else, they were just looking at him, so they honed in on him and they were like, We need to find this guy, we need to talk to him. So that was their entire mission was to locate this Thomas Erlocker character and find him. Okay. Of course, they had a shit time doing it. And they didn't know where he was going, what he's doing, all they pieced together was that he bought this motorcycle and he was out of town, out of sight, you know what I mean?
2: Um I feel like it wasn't as easy to just like track people oh back no then. they just didn't have technology like now everybody's carrying a cell phone granted that's not like 100 percent accurate but right. i mean it's just like not as easy to it's a lot it was a lot easier to disappear mm-hmm. we we should say
1: the difficult thing about this is to like he also had a ton of aliases so it's like once you leave the state who knows what the fuck's gonna happen to you just not communication across state lines. Yeah. There's no, like... I mean, this was the beginning of an international database system. Mm-hmm. The very beginning. This is, like... Yeah. You had to put through, uh, like, a telegraph fax kind yeah. of thing. It yeah. wasn't even a fax yet, but it wasn't really a telegraph. It was, like, this weird system they that they had. were tele, called uh,
2: Telefaxes.
1: Yeah. Tel- yeah. <laughs> Telefax,
2: which... I- just random fact about Telefaxes. <laughs> They're still used uh, regularly in the Church of Scientology because oh, yeah. when L. Ron Hubbard wrote the um, text, that was the technology at the time, and he died, so he can't change it, so they still use Telefaxes. Just throwing that out there. Anyway. <sighs> Religion. Shake a fist.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they were trying to pursue him, and they had no leads to where he was. Now, on December 21st of that year... Erlocker had wrote a, dra- uh, a letter and addressed it to a friend, and the letter totaled about 33 pages long. Um, he had postmarked it, but did not send it, so it was still in his possession. Okay. So he was going to send this letter, a 33-page long letter, and it seemed to kind of be a confession of something. In the letter, he states, I put that girl on the ground, now I'm going to go to jail for murder. He doesn't specify a person, a location, a time period, nothing. He just kind of makes this loose statement in this letter and All just right. is like holding on to it. Yeah. Now, on the walk home a couple days later, Erlocker spotted two cop cars on his street just a little bit before his house. He went into utter panic mode and he called his roommate and he told him to destroy this box that was in his room full of letters. Now, his roommate, being the fucking boss that he is, did not destroy the letter. First, he oh. read it. He oh. read it. He oh. opened it and read it. Okay. Where did... the story is, like, live with your friends. <laughs> Don't live with a stranger roommate. Did so, he still destroy No. It? Oh, okay. He read it I was like, went... did he read it and then destroy it? Or... No. Okay. He read it and went, the fuck? Oh, good. And called the San Francisco Police Department. Oh, good. So... The San Francisco Police Department showed up, ran his name, boom, 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 up comes the allegations in Illinois of murder and rape of underaged girls, and they go, all right, bye, and they fuck him off to Illinois and oh, extradite good. him. Good, good, good. So, they didn't have enough evidence to charge him with, like, murder yet, so they charged him with uh, contributing to the delinquency of a minor and... Uh, I forget what it is when it's like someone's impeding an investigation. Uh, obstruction? Yeah, like an obstruction yeah. of justice charge. Um, this was all that they could hold him on because they didn't have any actual Damn. physical evidence that she was in the car with him, even though there were witnesses. There was no information or any sort of clues that she had been with him. Damn. Like repair, no hair, yeah. no fiber, nothing. So those are the two charges that he was held on. Um, this discovery kind of led the Mount Prospect police, after they read her, the the letter about he put her in the ground, they're like, we're going to start looking for her body. Yeah. They're like, we don't think she's alive. He specifically states in this letter that he put a girl in the ground, so Mm. we're going to start searching and just assume that she's dead. Um, so, over a couple month period after he was extradited back to, um, Illinois... Now, mind you, this is in the middle of winter, okay? They start searching the area. They take 50 scuba divers and put them out near rivers, lakes, ponds in the area. So they're looking in Huntley, Algonquin, and that surrounding rural area. Yeah. Lots of little ponds, lots of rivers, and they're just hitting it hard. Everywhere from Huntley to fucking Mount Prospect. They are searching, like, riverways and...
2: There's um, a lot of little, oh like, God. random Lots. water, bodies of water, like, in that Just area, think of, too. Like, so,
1: like, one of the main bodies of water is, like, the Kishwaukee. Yeah. And that meanders through, like, every single city, pretty much. It right. goes from being a tiny tiny, small river to a huge rushing river when you get out towards, like, the Rockford area. yeah, And then you also have to think about, like, there's the Fox River, like, all these huge, huge rivers. So he could have dumped her anywhere. And yes, he did state that he put her in the ground, but that's also a euphemism for killing somebody. Mm -hmm. So they're searching all of these riverways. They are going through all of these forest preserves and all of these vacant lots, and they're just trying to find anything. They're using, like, state-of-the-art stuff to figure out if there's any clues or bodies or anything buried anywhere. Um, they enlisted helicopters. They started using a thermograph machine, which is like a heat detection for buried bodies. Um, they assumed at this point that maybe, because it's cold, there would be some... It's not like a, a heat Detector in a sense, like where you see someone lit up red and orange. Yeah. It kind of just shows a little bit of warmth in the ground. So, like, they use it a lot for finding, like, um, oil and sort of natural resources because they have a little bit more of a warmer temperature than the actual, like, physical ground. Right. And she, like.
2: She disappeared in the summer. Right. It was August. Okay.
1: He was caught in December and they started searching. Pretty much January. Okay. So there should be some sort of you know disturbed ground, or her her body would be cold, but it would be a little bit warmer because of the decomposition, right? Um. So they were looking to see if there's any sort of, and it was literally like a few degree differences. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, they're hitting all these grounds and they see a circular patch that's, uh, you know, five degrees warmer. Start digging, it's nothing. Yeah. That's how complicated this is. And this is the 70s, so, you know, limited technology. Right, <laughs> just yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. Um, they also employed bloodhounds, archaeologists, excavators, and even a clairvoyant Ooh. to find this poor girl. Now, the assistant state attorney, Terry Sullivan, kind of surprised everyone on March 16th of 1977. So this is about two years, about a year and a half after she went missing, um, they decided to drop the delinquency charges against Erlocker He feared that Erlocker being prosecuted on a minor offense might create serious legal issues should murder charges be brought up against him later. Mm. Because they have no information. And if they keep holding him on this tiny, small um, kind of charge, if you could even call it that... I mean, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, you're not going to get like jail time, you know what I mean? It's going to be a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Um and they couldn't proceed with the obstruction of justice because they didn't have any evidence truly connecting him besides eyewitnesses.
2: Yeah, and I feel I mean, I feel like that is probably a wise like strategic move, but it is kind of interesting because you can like say he were to be convicted on delinquency of a minor and then they um arrest him and uh charge him with the murder charge or mm-hmm. kidnapping or whatever else would come along with that um you can use what do they they call it uh like prior um it's basically like using prior examples of, like, stuff you've been convicted for mm-hmm. to establish a narrative of, like... A pattern of behavior sort right. of Right. And you can use that in court. Um, mm-hmm. There is a name, a, a legal name for it. I forget what it is. It's prior... Something. Jillian, tell something. us what it is. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and I'm sure, I guarantee you, I'll be listening to one of these crime podcasts You'll tomorrow be like, oh! and be like, oh, they're, they're talking about it. Um, So it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure, for, like, legally, that was probably a... Uh, a wise decision i just wonder what their concerns would have been
1: yeah and i mean it wouldn't be a double jeopardy scenario no because it's not two murder charges Well, as
2: long as they didn't try to charge him with delinquency again
1: right so i'm not sure what he, he was necessarily thinking maybe he was thinking it was going to kind of be like a misuse of like police time or something like that or like um kind of obstructing his uh, constitutional rights by keeping in jail for something that's like right, minor yeah. a minor offense, something like that. was That was what I was thinking. Um, yeah, they didn't really yeah. go into great detail about why he was like, let's drop the charges and just see what happens. Right, yeah. Ugh. So he went out scot-free um and there was no new leads or evidence that were ever found at all against her law. Wow. So, in 2004, we're going to go fast forward all the way to 2004. Yeah. He had already left the area, and he was living in Pueblo, Colorado. Um, In 2004, he was murdered by drug dealers in a deal gone bad. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That same year, in 2004, they found bones in an abandoned lot near the old farm where the concert was held at. After extensive testing, they later found that these bones were not human. Oh. So, big disappointment. But it was... There was, like, four articles in the newspaper, the local newspapers, that were, like, bones found in Lott and Huntley. Could this be the missing clue of the girl went missing in 1976, you know? Wow.
2: When did they find
1: the... uh, 2004. Hmm. Yeah. And it wound up just being animal bones. I mean, that is kind of disappointing, but... I mean, there are cow farms around there. Oh, uh, yeah. Tons. Literally cows. Yeah. like, How can you tell the difference? Like a cow femur, I'm pretty sure is larger than a human's, but what do I know? Um, (laughs) So unfortunately, Barbara's body has never been found. They have not proceeded with any more investigations. The case was assigned to a new detective, as they do with cold cases. They kind of just pass them out, right? Um, But they have not put forth any more effort into finding out what happened to her, Um, and it remains cold to this day now uh there is a detective detective Mike Nelson who believes that a section of land in the St. Charles Township has to be the place where Erlocker disposed of her body he thinks Erlocker planned it out carefully and picked the spot which St. Charles isn't that far away from Huntley Algonquin area which is where he was from yeah and it's kind of about a midpoint to you know, going back towards Mount Prospect area. Yeah. Um, Nelson won't identify the location, though, and he says he wants to protect the landowners who have it now. Um, He believes that soon there will be new technology that will provide a way to scan the area for a grave. Um, He has already spent several years digging up suspicious locations with backhoes and bulldozers, and he doesn't want to put forth any more effort to destroying people's property without you know another means some sort of proof that yeah. there is something So there is technology out there for scanning but of course it's not widely available to every police department And I'm
2: sure it's expensive and the yeah. state doesn't want to pay for Something I, I feel like they're less apt to pay on things like cold cases mm-hmm. unless you have some sort of substantive ad- evidence. That yeah,
1: and they really honed in on this Urlacher guy. Yeah. Um, but there was also a incredible mounting suspicion against her boyfriend at the time too. Now he was never investigated necessarily as um a like a prospective like murderer. Yeah. But they did get into a fight previously, and so they think that maybe that sort of fight kind of led to her wanting to, like, you know, go out and meet people and be around new people. Um, There are still some people who live in the uh, Elgin sort of area who used to um, know the family members who still think that the boyfriend is the one who did it. Which, to me, all the evidence in this says that I don't fucking think so. And
2: it's really unfortunate because the case is um, old enough Mm -hmm. that even if they were to find out what happened and who did it, chances of that person still being alive are slim. slim. And it's like, it's not as, like, you don't get as much closure i think from not being able to hold that person accountable i mean it's it's always good to know what happened i think but um like that lack of accountability is just like something that's kind of haunting you know
1: yeah so i'm just gonna give you a description of her when she was last seen and if anyone has any information to contact the mount prospect police department Barbara Gluckert was age 14, a a Caucasian uh, female with brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a green t-shirt, blue corduroy jeans, a rope belt, tan earth brand shoes, and a leather necklace with beads. She was last seen on August 21st of 1976 in Huntley, Illinois. So, if anyone (laughs) has information, contact the Mount Prospect Police Department, but, you know, it's been a long time. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And we'll put that information
2: on our website in the show notes as well. Yeah.
1: So it's a, a local cold case disappearance. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, those cases might be cold, but this next podcast is super hot. Was that too bad? No. I oh. was going to say something, but I'll wait until after. Oh. Well, check out this podcast.
1: <laughs> Some would have you believe that this is, quote, a promotional ad for the Nihilist Podcast Network, done in the style of the popular NPN news show, This Week in Nihilism. Subscribe to Nihilist Podcast
0: Network on iTunes or another podcast app to hear more of This Week in Nihilism's up-to-the-week updates on world news and popular culture. That's all the time we have for this promotional ad blurb. Join us next ad blurb, assuming the Earth has not been destroyed by way too many ants.
1: Um, but the person who wrote the last article, which was like a couple of years ago, they described the cold case as this wasn't just a cold case. This was Arctic, and I was like, Oh
2: no, oh no, top. Now, part of me feels like I wish you would have said that before I made a super hot joke at the beginning of that.
1: No, promo. it just made me think of that because I was like, "Oh my god, that's really funny." It was a, it was a news article out of the Northwest I quite enjoy Herald, that. Too. of course,
2: of fucking. Course. The Northwest
1: Herald is like this piddly, small fucking newspaper in this like tiny region, yeah. And it is just like these people think that they're like fucking Russian lit it's like, like this wasn't just a cold case it was fucking arctic <laughs> it's like stop please Jeez, Ugh. i always get so disheartened when i read like stuff like this these kinds of cases cuz it's like no one's getting closure yeah you know yeah it fucking sucks
2: <laughs> well thanks for listening guys <laughs> you are now- super depressed
1: <laughs> <now>. <laughs> i think you had some oh yes reviews? I have a review um, I was a little confused reading this review because I think the person accidentally put their name as the title. Oh, So <laughs> Um, it's it was titled "Uh, Well Researched Pod," uh, Fun Gals. But then the listener was called "Well Researched Pod." Oh. So I'm thinking maybe there was an accident. Gotcha. So That's fine. I don't know who truly put this. That's all right. Thank you to whoever it was. Um, They said, if you love true crime but don't want to listen to anything too heavy, give this one a try. There's a good balance of research, compelling stories, and fun. And fun. <laughs> oh, the fun. It was like too heavy. Obviously, they haven't listened to our entire catalog because there's some episodes where it's like gruesome. Yeah, I mean, I think we eventually try to keep it a little We like to do the yin lighter. to the yang. We have a real heavy yeah. episode, and then it's like, fun times, story and Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, yeah. Well, thank you to... Well-researched pod. Well-researched pod. pod. <laughs> Question mark. Thank, thanks for the review. Yeah, thank you. Yes. If you guys want to send us reviews, please do. Through iTunes, you can also leave a comment through our website. We appreciate it greatly. It Absolutely. does help with listenership. It kind of opens iTunes up to uh, people when they search for true Mm -hmm. crime or uh, any sort of horror stories that kind of be like boops us up they're like "Mm, try this one
2: yeah (laughs) and we literally do not pay to advertise this podcast we are strictly word of mouth so those reviews really help us out it is true Um, (laughs) you can also check out our merch store too yeah yeah. Um, we do those uh, we had some new designs come up for our one year anniversary that are amazing by Zach Colby Um, check yeah they are super cool I'm really excited to get a t-shirt that I haven't gotten no, yet I but I'm like, going
1: to. I was like is it in poor taste to buy everyone I know? I want to buy everyone for my pod-
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I had, uh, uh, I think Julian told Waddy, said, Hey, tell her to send us some swag. And I was like, You think I get that shit for free?
1: Come on. Oh, my God. We got to break that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you You can head over to the Merch store and check that out if you need something like that. Um, Let's see.
1: You You, can hit us up on Soch.
2: Yeah. Sochmead. If you like this episode, (laughs) uh, you can find. (laughs) I'm just, you notice I just moved on. I know. I was like, I already gloss right over. The words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, you can find more episodes like this at badtastecrimecast.com. You can also hit us up on our social media on Facebook and Instagram, the Bad Taste Crimecast, and on Twitter at BT Crimecast. Mm-hmm. Uh Janelle's keeping that Twitter on fire. Yeah,
1: that's like our most active. Yeah. People oh, totally. on Twitter are just like bam, 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 bad taste crime yeah. cast. <laughs> Facebook we like to put up a lot of articles mm-hmm. and um
2: kind of share what's going on in the Crime world, yeah. a little bit. Um, what was the one that we just put up? Um, I know I just posted the Ednan Said retrial, right,
0: yeah. which I was super
2: excited about. Um, And there was uh, the girl from Smallville. That yeah, was the other who one. Yeah, was
1: getting arrested for human trafficking.
2: Yeah. Charges. That was
1: fucking juicy. Holy Oof. shit. So if you want to keep up with that stuff, <laughs> check it out on Facebook. Yeah, definitely. If you want to send us any information, a request, a comment, you can also send us directly to the bad taste crime at gmail.com.
2: Mm hmm. Um, the other way that you can support the show is by donating. You can become yeah. a patron on Patreon mm-hmm. at patreon.com slash yeah. Um We've got
1: some cool little perks for our Patreon donors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some little episodes. A lot of and- exclusives. I'm working on trying to put together like a little couple of video snippets. Um, nice. Yeah, so there's a couple... Uh, Places down south that I'm going to be visiting with my family members, so I was hoping maybe to do some exclusive videos. That would be fun. Something I'm mentoring into. You can see us as well as hear
2: us. Yes. Well, you, not me. We'll see.
1: We'll see if it worked out. (laughs) Don't get your hopes up. I'm not the most technologically advanced person. Yeah. Well, I think I can make it work. I believe in you, girl.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh if you're like not
1: super keen on
2: donating every month, you can do a one time donation too at PayPal uh or on PayPal the Bad taste mm-hmm. at gmail dot com. Yes. Um, you're just like,
1: here's some money, so you shut up. <laughs> I will really take your money to shut the fuck up. I will, I will do that. Just be so
2: quiet. I will sure, sure do that. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else? I think no, that's it. Man, yeah, That's it. All right. Uh uh. Hold on a second. Rot row. No, you, you gotta f- you gotta fill the time. Oh, I had to fill the time. Yeah, just like two seconds.
1: Oh God, I don't know. Um, I don't know any appropriate jokes, but not like this podcast is super appropriate. Okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs>
2: Wait, maybe not.
1: Oh, maybe? Oh, no, cute. we're good. We're good. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Aha!
2: Yeah! Uh, our sound and editing is done by Tiff Weech. Yeah, yeah. Our music is done by Jason Dekchewski, the Enigma. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Yes. This has been the Taste Crime Crimecast, and we will see you in two weeks.
0: Enjoy! Bye! Bye <laughs> bye!